0: go ahead and pull out your Bibles, something you can take notes with this morning. Our elementary kids, y'all can head out with your crew over there, go have fun. Oh man, there's a lot of them. (laughs) Oh man, they're about to go have their church next door and uh, usually when that happens, I usually wish I was in there because it's rowdy. They have a good time. All right. Go ahead and open to Genesis chapter one. Make sure you got something to take notes out. Uh, Make you what am I trying to say? Make sure you have something out to take notes with. That's what I was trying to say. We are beginning our uh, we'll call it a series over the next twelve weeks. Biblical formation. I hope you're excited about it. I'm really excited about it. Biblical formation over the next twelve weeks. Uh, So. as we get going into this, as you're getting your notes out, I want to just be clear what does biblical formation mean? Well, over the last three weeks we've been talking about how we want to be a people who repent from a self-centered worldview and we have a reformation from a self-centered faith. That's what biblical formation means. it means repenting this is how we walk out repenting from a self-centered worldview and reformation in a self-centered faith. As we get started, we're going to cover lots of things so I thought uh, may, this might even just be helpful for me to make sure that uh, our expectations are set because I feel like I have to. Uh, I feel like I have a lot of expectations of myself right now, you know. So what 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 is this? What is this series or this course? What what is it? Well, it is a few things. It is an introduction. To lots of stuff. It's an introduction to the Bible. It's an overview of lots of things. It is uh, supposed to be setting kind of a general framework for us on how we should uh, read the Bible and view the world. What this is, it is. It is going to stir you. It is going to confuse you in some ways. It's going to make you ask a lot of questions. It's going to make you want to read your Bible. That's what this is. What this is not. This is not exhaustive. You are not going to know everything there is to know about God in the Bible after this. Let's be real. That'd be silly to think that. This is not going to be a full explanation of everything that we mention, and this is not all going to make perfect sense all the time. This isn't going to answer all of your questions and this isn't going to tie everything about God in the Bible up in a nice pretty bow. That is not what this is. So, what What is needed is participation. We always say church is a participation sport, right? Following Jesus is a participation sport. You've got to follow him. I can't just do it up here for you. So what we need to be doing over the next couple of months, we need to be taking lots of notes be thinking. Need to be responding, and we need to be probably participating in some of the other resources we have to go along with this. Talked about life group, where you're going to be able to talk this through. If you're not connected to a life group, make sure you stop by the connect area on your way out. Uh, we've got our new honest conversations with my pastor podcast that started this last week. Uh, we really, really want you to send your questions in for that. And I actually we got to shoot that today, like right after second service. So if During this service, you have questions that you're like, oh my gosh, I got a question about that. Just get on your phone, get on Instagram, send Antioch India DM real quick, and we'll see if we can answer it later today. Um, We got our spending time with Jesus. We got all all kinds of stuff going. So just stay engaged and participate with what God's doing in you. Like we said last week, repentance is a road trip. So let's all sign up for it. Let's ask questions. Let's dig in. Let's learn. Let's seek God as we do this together. Amen? So we're starting biblical formation today. Starting section 1. Put this up at the top of your notes. Biblical Formation, Section 1, The Universe. It's a little thing. Part 1, Heaven and Earth. Heaven and Earth. And we're going to start right where the Bible starts on all this. So why don't we stand for the reading of the Word of God? I know you're writing your notes down, but you'll have a second to finish that title here in just a minute. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God... In the beginning, God. Okay, so the universe is about God. The book we're reading, who's it about? It's about God. We talked about this last week. It's a good, big first rock to have in place as we start building our our faith and our worldview, right? This This is all about God. I don't want to skim over it, but we talked about it last week. So, okay, we got in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God what? In the beginning, God created, okay, that's good. God created the heavens, and the earth. Okay, verse one, we've got the beginning, we've got God, and we've got the creation of the heavens and the earth. All right, Jesus, as we open your word, we need to hear from you. We want to be shaped by you. I pray that you'd pierce our hearts and shape us, that you'd help us to be humble and moldable by your word this morning. Amen. All right, go ahead, take a seat. Biblical formation. Section one, the universe, part one, heaven and earth. Okay, Genesis 1.1, first thing the Bible says. The first thing that the Bible says is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The first thing the Bible says is not in the beginning, God created the place where you go where you, when you die and the place you live right now. It doesn't not say that. It's just not saying that. Just that. So we've got to understand, we're, we're one verse into the Bible here, okay? We got to understand right from the start in reading this, we are, in our time, in our world, we are starting in a very different headspace than the people God sovereignly chose to use to write the Bible that we're reading so that he could communicate himself to us. That doesn't mean that we can't understand anything. It doesn't mean that we can't get anything out of it, but it does mean that we should just make sure right here at the door, right, or right here at the front door, of Genesis 1-1, we should make sure we're coming humbly and we're coming ready to learn some things and like maybe we don't know everything. Right. So that, that, that's what it does tells us. The heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth aren't two separate boxes for us to think about one being real, the earth, obviously, and one being kind of, you know, imaginary, meaning the heavens. The heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth, what, what the Bible's telling us is that the heavens and the earth are, are two, two different realms that are both very real parts of what make up reality the spiritual realm and the natural realm. They are, they are two realms. They're both created by God. They're both inhabited by God. They're both filled by God's creation. And one major theme that the Bible takes from verse 1 now all the way to the end is that not, they are different, but they're not meant to be separate. In our world, we get uh, pretty skeptical of, like, talking about this stuff, <laughs> This whole spiritual realm thing. I know for a fact there's at least a handful of people in here because I got a little bit of it in me already. I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. (laughs) Even if we accept the spiritual realm, because like, you know, we're Christians and we read the Bible. And, you know, so it's obviously there. Like, so we accept that the spiritual realm is like, whatever it is, okay, it's real. I'll give you that. We still don't want like, much interaction with it, right? <laughs> like, I'll believe you're there. Just stay in the other room, please. <laughs> we we like God. Yeah? God's good. God, that, God is a good thing. That's good. And so that's kind of a spiritual realm thing. It's like, okay, well, it's bigger than just this. Okay, so I got to accept that. But we don't want the spiritual realm to be much more than just God. Like, okay, God, but let's not go further than that. We don't want it to get more complicated, although we read the Bible and it's like, okay, we got God. That's also, it's already a little bit funky, but if I'm going to accept God, then I kind of have to accept like the devil part too. So, okay, here we go. Got a little bit going on here, more than I want, but I got to go with this. It's in the Bible after all. So we've got the God, we've got God, and we've got the devil, and then uh, I guess that kind of means I also have to accept angels and demons or something. Yeah did not want to accept that part, but I feel like I have to. So I'll accept it, but just don't make me deal with it, right? Because that's all kind of confusing, and I don't get it, and I know for sure lots of people get really weird about these things, and so I'd rather just, let's shelf it and make the Bible about me and my life, because I can handle that, I mean, I can tell already. We are five minutes into biblical formation. We are one verse into the Bible, and there's already plenty of discomfort and confusion about where exactly is this all going. <laughs> in the ancient culture that where the, uh, the Bible was first written, it was written in a, in a global context where there's all these other nations, and all these other nations had gods, and all these other nations had kings who they basically... Um, Saw as gods and considered as gods in different ways. There's all these dynasties, basically, fighting for supremacy. So one of the ways to fight for supremacy is to like call yourself a god. It's like, yeah, it's hard to argue with me now. I'm a god. So there we go. So you give yourself these divine titles, and you give yourself a divine history, or you you make the argument that you've been around the longest, because whoever's been around the longest knows the most and is the best, so therefore that's the one who should be in charge. So there's all these titles and divine origins, everybody's claiming that they're the most supreme, and all of this sort of stuff. Basically, every nation, every group of people has their own story of, okay, our God or our gods did all of this whatever this all of this is our god or gods did all of this our god or gods are in charge of all of this and our god or our gods is responsible for all this like you know just this so the bible is starting with a verse that maybe we've memorized in Sunday school one time and we thought that was great, but again, let's just jump to the New Testament where we get Jesus and the good stuff. The Bible starts with a theological gauntlet being thrown down. What Genesis 1-1 is saying is, I don't know who you think you are or who you think your God is or your gods are, but the God I'm about to tell you about is the origin of all of this. He, he's the one who in the beginning made the heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth, what that means is like all of this. Like if we took some of our science stuff today back to Moses, for example, he was writing this, and would be like, did you mean like a round planet, three things from the sun? He'd be like, I mean, whatever, he wouldn't have a problem with that. Like, oh gosh, I'm confused now. He's like, whatever all this is, yes, God made it. God made all this. Whatever you see, whatever you don't see, whatever you know, whatever you don't know, life, death, whatever, all this is God created. All of this. In our Western modern context, we have a hard time with this whole the heavens part of Genesis one one, we've got a hard time with this God's divine dynasties part of like ancient cultures and worldviews. It's also it's also mythological, intangible, imaginary, elementary. It's so like ancient, you know. Uh, th- like this is the stuff that I'm the stuff I'm talking about. This is the stuff that kind of makes us question the Bible and its relevance, right? Because like we are so past all that. We're smart and articulate and advanced and scientific and moral and fancy and I mean, we totally respect all those ancient cultures because obviously no culture has a right to infuse its own culture on that of another culture. No culture should see itself as more advanced of any other culture and then therefore right just because it has more money or knowledge or wealth or time or anything like that. We would never do that. So we're not gonna do that, but come on. We're better than that. <laughs> like this is, this is 2021, this is America I mean, come on, pastor, look around. We've got a pretty good grasp on all of this. I'm not sure how to say this without coming across really rude. So if it does, I'm sorry, but we are not past all this God's stuff. And no, we do not have a pretty good grasp on all of this. We think, still, that we are saved if one person gets elected, and we're damned if another one does. We want one dynasty, I mean political party, I mean dynasty, to be in charge of everything and demonize the other one. When our wallet is full, the economic gods have blessed us, and when our wallet is empty, the economic gods have abandoned us. When our idols sing and play well, we worship them. And when they sing and play poorly, we curse them. We aren't late to important meetings all week long, but if we're late to our Sunday meeting, it's kind of no big deal. We read news headlines religiously and our faith is shaped on whatever is in our feeds. We lift our hands in praise when the markets go up and the ball goes in. But when the chorus comes, we stand emotionless. We never miss a meal and then we turn to the Bible and blame it for not being fed. We don't know what to believe in, but we know we can believe in us. Your Bible starts with something to say. I don't know who you are, or who your God is or your gods are, who or what you worship, what or who you trust in, what or who you hope in, what or who you are following, but the God I'm about to tell you about is before all of whatever those things are and actually created all of whatever those things are. It is important as we begin reading the Bible that we understand we are reading about God. We are reading about the heavens and the earth. We are are not reading about us and our lives. This is bigger than that. It's not not about us in our lives. It's just about more than us and our lives. We fit into the story. We are not the story. I want you to write that down. We fit into the story. We are not the story. We fit into the story. Let's say it together. We are not the story. <laughs> Hi, I'm Andrew, and I am not the story. (laughs) I could use some help. (laughs) So as we begin this Bible, as we begin allowing the Bible to form our worldview, form our faith, what do we need to know about the heavens? What do we need to know about the heavens? Obviously, we find out right in the beginning that in the beginning, God made the heavens. So... As we grapple with this, the heavens thing, we got a choice to make right off the bat. It's either real or it's not. I either trust the Bible or I don't. (laughs) Apparently, this is a thing. This whole heavens thing is like actually a real thing. It's right there. So the Bible says it's a thing, but what what does the Bible say about all of this? So what I'm going to do is I'm about to touch on like a whole bunch of Bible And this is going to be like example number one of how this isn't a full explanation of everything. And I'm just going to touch on a bunch of stuff. And so you're going to, if you, you might get overwhelmed. You might be like, wait, stop, hold on. Just take some reference notes and go back and you can dig into it. But I'm just going to kind of touch on some things. Can we do that? So as we get into the Bible, we need to know that God made the heavens. The heavens are a thing. And so he's going to teach us what we need to know about this. we need to know that God what God intended for the heavens and the earth, He intended for the heavens and the earth to overlap and to exist together, because He made the heavens and the earth. He made these two things, but they're not just supposed to be separate. They're supposed to exist, exist together. So, so for a few examples, like I'm not just pulling this out of, out of one place. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then uh, there, there's other stuff in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. We'll hit on it in the coming weeks, but we'll just go to Genesis 4 right now. You get the story of Cain and Abel. You know, Cain, uh, he Cain and Abel, these two brothers, they give offerings. God accepts one of them, doesn't accept the other one. And Cain's really mad that his his uh, offering didn't get accepted, and so he's getting really bitter at his brother. And what we know is that he ends up killing his brother, but before that happens, heaven intercedes with earth. On earth, Cain's about to kill Abel, but heaven shows up. God comes to him, and he's like, whoa, bro, let's take a breath real quick. Why don't you take some responsibility? Sin is crouching at your door, ready to devour you like a lion. There's something you can't see that's ready to eat you if you don't fight it. Already, Genesis 4, we got some overlap here. Genesis uh, chapter 6, uh, we hear about Noah, you know? Noah, he says he walked with God. So, okay, so God and the heavens are interacting with Noah, and then God speaks to Noah. Genesis 12 15, 18, 19, all through here, God calls Abraham, another big deal here. God calls Abraham, appears to him and speaks to him, says he's going to not just appear to Abraham, but he's going to make an entire nation out of Abraham. So heaven is interacting with this man, but it's not just for this man, it's for a nation. But God's also clear, it's not just for this nation, this nation is for all nations, so, so we, want, we want this interaction here happening. God wants this interaction here happening. And he shows up to Abraham repeatedly through the rest of his life uh, in the form of an angel, the angel of the Lord, as a man, as a group of men. It's like, wow, there's a lot going on here. Genesis 26, the Lord appears to Isaac and again confirms the same covenant that he repeat, repeatedly confirmed to Abraham. He comes and he, 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 he this says, 26:2 the Lord appeared, okay, right here on earth, appeared Genesis 28, Jacob has this dream of the heavens being open and all these creatures or something going up and down this ladder. And when he wakes up, he, he names the place Bethel. He says, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. Right here on earth, this is the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. This is the gate. This is a doorway between these two places where there's ins and outs happening. There's loads more examples of this, but what I'm trying to really point out is staying zoomed out. I know know we're kind of getting zoomed in here, but I want to stay zoomed out. That what starts in Genesis 1-1, it begins to show that, and this theme is developed through the rest of Scripture, that God has a deep, big, obvious desire For heaven and earth to interact, it starts with Adam and Eve. He walks with them. It starts with his kids, Adam and Eve's kids. We talked about Cain and Abel. It goes through all the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. There's so much more. But God wants to be in relationship with all of his creation, with all of his creation. And he wants, that means then, he wants heaven and earth overlapping together. Not only does the Bible make it clear that these two realms exist and are both legitimate parts of reality they're not supposed to be separate parts of reality they're supposed to interact and so are the beings of these two realms what <laughs> oh man <laughs> like if i left now would anybody notice <laughs> what did he just say <laughs> beings <laughs> okay just going to talk about the Bible. The heavens, the heavens aren't just real. The heavens are filled. The heavens are filled with beings like the earth is filled with beings. And there is interaction between the heavens and the earth, and therefore interaction between the beings that fill heaven and earth. Psalm 33, verse 6 says this. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Sounds like Genesis 1-1. we got a creation story happening here. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. So the heavens were made and he also made the host of heaven. This doesn't just mean like, this is not a word that means stars. It means like a group of things, beings gathered for a purpose. So God created the heavens and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. Okay, so right off the bat, In Genesis, we're getting heavens and earth. Now we're learning there's beings in these places. They're supposed to interact and overlap. We see that as we go through Scripture. You can assume since God created this, these interactions are supposed to go well. (laughs) Right? Uh, It's supposed to be a good thing. But we find out very quickly (laughs) things go terribly sideways. Uh, with all of these beings, and then therefore also their interactions. It wasn't just humans who messed some stuff up. Okay, so Genesis 3, verse 1, you've, you've heard this story. We'll talk about this more in a couple of weeks. Uh, the snake comes to Eve, right, <laughs> tempting with the fruit. Um, this snake is it's not like a talking python. This is a, this is a some sort of spiritual being This word that is used, nakesh, it's used all through the Bible. It does mean snake, but it also means like serpent-type being, which is an extremely useful term all through Scripture, talking about all types of different spiritual things. And in all the context, it's very obvious this is a spiritual being that has come. It's not just a talking snake. Okay, so, and maybe they've had these types of interactions before because why wasn't Eve freaked out? It's like apparently this was normal. You'd think if it wasn't normal, it would be like, you know what? I'm not going to listen to a talking snake. <laughs> Step one. <laughs> okay, so there's a lot going on here. So right off the bat, we get this interaction. That sounds good, like we're on track here, but then it obviously goes very, very poorly. We have, uh, we have um, deception and lying and being steered in the wrong direction. They're supposed to be working together, but instead they're tearing, they're tearing each other apart. Genesis 6, just a few chapters later, super weird verses, warning. it's probably the weirdest thing in the whole Bible. So you've either never heard these verses or you have and you got told to forget them. Genesis 6, verse 1, it says, When man began to multiply on the face of the land and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Not okay with that. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Yes, that means what you think it means. These were the mighty men who were of old and men of renown. Okay. The sons of God. We're talking about divine beings here and humans. We've got some interactions going on. Not the kind we want to talk about, so we're not going to spend too much time on that right now. Okay. Got some stuff going on real early on we'd rather forget about or explain away than deal with. Am I right? I mean, I don't want to deal with that. So we have heaven and earth. We have beings in both of these places as we start reading the Bible. They're supposed to be interacting as realms. They're supposed to be interacting as beings. They're supposed to be working together to do the things that their creator made all of them to do. But very quickly, we have rebellion and deception. So instead of working together, they're working for the opposite of uh, the good of each other and opposite for the kingdom of the God who is the creator of them all. It's not all bad, though. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Throughout the rest of the Old Testament, this intersection of heaven and earth and the beings of both realms interacting is a constant and consistent part of God bringing his kingdom on earth. It's, It's a constant and a consistent part of when God is commissioning a human to do God's work. Whenever there's a commissioning of a human doing God's work, there's always spiritual beings involved too. Because we have this God who wants to do things in partnership. Not exactly sure why, but that's what he does. (laughs) So if you look through the commissionings of humans, when God's calling a human to lead God's people, you you see all this overlap. So we already discussed Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the patriarchs, all through Genesis. Genesis. Uh, if we, we, you could look through um, Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, all through Moses' life as he led the people of God through Exodus. I mean, we talked a few weeks ago, the burning bush. It's a little interesting. And we got all the plagues. We got fire on the mountain. We've got wind and uh, pillar of fire by day, cloud by night, the whole Mount Sinai thing. It's just constant, constant through all of these, all of these interactions. Then you get past Moses to so the next leader. We get Joshua. Like maybe these being things is going to go away, but in Joshua 5, before the first battle that Joshua leads the people of God in, it says that when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the Lord's army. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. Sound familiar? Burning bush, anybody? (laughs) So we got the patriarchs. We got Moses, Joshua. You go through the Judges, the book of Judges. Constant interaction with the Judges and angels or the angel of the Lord, commissioning them. Or instructing them on how to lead the people. We get to Samuel, the first prophet of the nation of Israel, when we get the kings. The Lord calls to him as a boy three times in the night. And if you're familiar with the Bible, you maybe remember that story. And Eli tells him, No, no, that voice you're hearing, it's, it's not me here on earth, it's God. He's, heaven is interacting with you. Say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So this is this huge theme here, and it sets the stage all of this just first part of the Old Testament sets the stage for all the major prophets through the history of people's, the history of the people of God, to have interactions like this when God's commissioning them. They have encounters with the heavens and encounters with the beings of heaven. And again, if you read the prophets' lives, it's like they were the mouthpiece of God to the people. So just if you read their lives, this stuff is like, I mean, these these were weird dudes. Weird. But for the sake of brevity, I know we're zooming zooming past a lot here, but for the sake of brevity, we're just going to point out about a common theme for all the major prophets, that at the start of all of their ministries, at their commissioning, they all have what you could call these throne room encounters. They have these, these encounters with the throne room of God, where not only do they see the throne room, they see God on the throne, in the throne room, but they also see lots of other stuff. And if you read all of them, they all look and sound really similar. So they're all, they're all seeing this, this place with all these things. And there's all this interaction It isn't just God commissioning the the prophets. He's he's partnering not just with the prophet, but also his other heavenly host. We got it all going on. So we're not going to read through all of them, but my note takers can check these out later. You look at the commissioning of some of the major prophets. Isaiah 6, Jeremiah 1, and 23. Jeremiah 23 Jeremiah 1 Jeremiah is commissioned in Jeremiah 23 God is speaking to Jeremiah because there's all these false prophets that have risen up and they're like how do we know the false prophets versus the real prophets and God speaks about distinguishing between the false and the real and he says who among them has stood in the council of the Lord you'll know the real ones because they've been to my throne room If they would have stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people, is what the Lord says. Ezekiel 1. You get Ezekiel's commission. Just read the book of Daniel. He has a series of encounters with the throne room, with angels and archangels and demons and all other types of words. (laughs) So we know that God wants to partner with humanity in bringing his kingdom. We, we like that part. We're Christians, right? Yeah, Amen. God wants to partner with humans to bring his kingdom. He also wants to partner with his heavenly beings to bring his kingdom. And we are seeing that as part of us working with him, part of us working with him means that we also partner with these heavenly beings. And so we also learn in the Bible that that would make perfect sense because God invites his heavenly beings to participate with him just like he invites humans to participate with him as he acts, as he rules. We're really cool with that on the human side, right? That's why we pray. That's why we obey. That's why we seek God. We wanna hear him speak. We wanna partner with him in what he's doing. He doesn't only wanna do that with us and he doesn't only do that with us. Psalm 82, 1 It says, God has taken his place in the divine council, In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Psalm 89, five through seven, let the heavens praise your wonders. So God created the heavens, right? Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones, and awesome above all who are around him. I think sometimes we read that and we say, Who, uh, what did it say? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? And it's like, Well, no one. There aren't any. It's only the Lord. It's like, No, no, there's actually lots, and he's better than them all. Job 38, 4 and 7, one of my favorite chunks of chapters in the whole Bible. It's Job, if you know much about him, he's got a hard life. And he's kind of complaining to God about these really terrible things going on. Like, we could never relate to any of this. We might complain to God. And God looks at him and he says, show yourself like a man. Sit down and be quiet. I have something to say. And it's like, and Job, the next two verses, Job's like, you know what? Never mind. I I get it. I'm good. And God's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to talk for about four straight chapters, son. This is one of the things he says in Job 38. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? And when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. In 1 Kings 22, there's a prophet. I don't even know how to say his name. I think it's Micaiah. I don't know. He's inquiring of the Lord for a king. Verse 19 and 20 says, And Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And one said one thing and another said another thing. Now we got all this dialogue going on. Isn't the Bible amazing? Like that's just a brief overview of the Old Testament. Like, actually, half of the Old Testament. We didn't even get very far. The New Testament kicks off with Jesus getting baptized. What happens? The heavens open. The Spirit of God comes down in the form of a dove. An audible voice speaks and thunders from heaven. Then what does he do? He goes off into the desert and gets tempted by the devil. Then he comes back, and in Matthew 4, 17, in Matthew's account of the gospel, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the commissioning of what Jesus is doing, says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The commissioning of the church in Acts. We read it at the beginning of our service today. What does it have? Wind and fire, sounds. All marks of the throne room encounters, if you read all the prophets. Read all the prophet encounters and then read Acts 2. It's bizarre. And then what? The Spirit of God himself. He comes and he dwells inside of his people. Paul, riding on his horse down the road, gets knocked off physically by a spiritual encounter with the man Jesus. You read through the New Testament, the Gospels, the book of Acts, all through the letters, demons, angels, all this stuff is going on. And then we also get through the New Testament, once the church is birthed, this important theological development. We are taught that as Christians, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. We are temples of the Holy Spirit and that when we follow Jesus, when we obey him and love him, he and the Father and the Spirit come and make their abode in us. Remember back when Jacob had the dream and he wakes up and he says, this is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. This is the house of God. The New Testament development is you are the house of God. You are the gate This is crazy. The tabernacle, you read through the Old Testament, the tabernacle, the temple, the Ark of the Covenant, what were all of these things? They they weren't just physical spaces. They were spaces of intersection where heaven and earth were supposed to be united, where God would rule in both at once. He would execute his judgments in one spot right here on earth as it is in heaven. And now by the grace of Jesus, Through faith in his name, by the filling of the Holy Spirit, you are that intersection. The final book of the Bible, the revelation of Jesus. Chapter 1, Jesus appears to John. but He he appears in his heavenly body, and he speaks in his heavenly voice. And then John is taken in chapters 4 and 5 to the throne room of God. And he sees the same thing all the prophets of old saw. Elders, creatures, beings, messengers, lakes, thrones, fires, saints. The Bible concludes Revelation 21, 1 through 3. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in the end, the reuniting of what was meant to be united in the beginning. God and his creation, the heavens and the earth made new and completely unified in him. So what's the point of all of this? The point is not angels and demons and people and beings or whatever. The point is, Is the God who was before all of that and made all of that. God is the Creator. If we could hear, if I could just have you hear one thing this morning as we do part one of section one of biblical formation, it is simply this that God is the Creator. He is the king, he's the ruler, he's the center figure, he's the boss, he's the never in doubt in a completely different league of his own. It is his world, we're just living in it. From the beginning, all through the middle, and in the end. That's what Genesis 1-1 says, that's what Genesis 1-1 is opening with, that's what Genesis 1-1 is setting the stage for, and you are invited. Invited. As you begin reading this Bible and you begin following and getting to know this God, this is what you're signing up for. The heavens and the earth. To be honest, it sort of makes me wish that Genesis 1 verse 2 just said, good luck. I want to make this really simple as we wrap up today. God is really big. You can just write that down. That's the point. God is really big. The, the earth part of Genesis 1-1 that you and I are more familiar with, it's just one part. It's just one part of what God is doing even here and now. If all of this is making you feel really really small. You're hearing it right. We are really really small. And God really really loves us. But we are really really small. So what we really need to do, more than more than even understand all of this stuff or have all of the answers, what we really need to do is decide how are we going to respond to all of this? How are we going to respond to him, are we gonna turn aside and lift him up as the God of the heavens and the earth? Or are we gonna stand against him in rebellion and lift up something else or even ourselves? That's the simple decision. It sure sounds to me like the whole the heavens and the earth thing is a little out of our league. My vote is we lift him up. That's what I think we should do. Yeah. I want you to stand to close. And uh, we're going to have our prayer team come on up. I have no idea where the band is. They're supposed to be up here. So we're going to pray. <laughs> we're at least going to have an electric guitar going. It's okay. I know our prayer team come on up. I have our prayer team coming up. If you need prayer for anything in your life, if you need to repent of anything, if you need to come to Jesus, come on up. It's a great day. It's a great day to bow your knee to Jesus. What I want to do is read something as we wrap up. And I don't care if there's music going on. We don't need it. Seriously. Don't worry. About, you guys, okay, perfect. Okay. <laughs> this is great. I want you all to be ready for something. We're going to read one of these commissionings that I talked about earlier. I mentioned the commissioning of the prophets and their throne room encounters. And to close, I want to read one of those to talk about what what are we talking about this morning? Isaiah chapter six says this: In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. Who is this God? Who is this God? I I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken from t- with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth, and he said, behold, this is, has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here I am. Send me. Moses, Moses, here I am. What is all this all about? come and bow your knee to the God of the beginning, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Let him touch you. Let him touch you with whoever he is, whatever he's like, whatever he has to say, let him say it. Whatever he has to send you, let him send you. Whatever he has to show you, let him show you. Whatever he has to do, let him do it. That's how we respond. So I want to pray for us as we, worship and I would just encourage us Holy Spirit come and search my heart search my heart for anything I'm lifting up above you teach me to bow my knee Lord show us who you are speak your word open up the heavens God open up our eyes open up our ears open up our hearts and teach us to come humbly before you teach us to come humbly to the throne of grace we want to see you we want to hear you We know that right now you are high and lifted up. And so we join with the heavenly hosts and sing holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You are the King who was, who is, who is to come. Let's worship together.